1 John chapter 2. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures tonight, and I'm going to be honest, uh, we probably don't have time to turn to all of these scriptures this evening. And so if you like to take notes, you can just jot them down as I'm giving them. We're going to camp out in the book of 1 John tonight, and I'm going to show you a number of scriptures from the book of 1 John. And I'm going to talk about a little different subject tonight, but something that I think that really needs to be dealt with. And, um, and, and I, I purposely put this in my outline and I highlighted it because I think this is sort of the theme of the message tonight is one of clarity, clarity. And I think, I think folks need clarity in the day in which we're living, and especially young people. Um, I'm really concerned about our young people. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, it's not their fault. You know, it's, it's no wonder, it's no wonder that so many of our young people are so confused. Um, anyway, I'll say more about that. If I don't, if I'm not, not careful, I'll start preaching before I read the scripture and I don't want to do that tonight. So first John chapter number two, by the way, one of my absolute favorite Bible or favorite books of the Bible is first John. And so first John chapter two, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. We're going to read just a few verses and I'll let you, uh, sit right back down tonight. First John chapter two, And look, if you will, at verse number 22, and we're going to read down through verse number 28. Verse 22 says, who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. This has been one of my memory verses, verse 23, in the the last few days. I've been memorizing this verse. Verse 23, whosoever denieth the Son... The same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. It's an interesting verse. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And I love verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. How many want confidence tonight? I want confidence. I want you to have confidence. I want our young people to have confidence. I don't want them to have to bow their heads around their coworkers when their coworkers bring up a religious conversation, bow their heads because they don't know what they believe. I want you to know what you believe, and I want you to be able to to defend what you believe. And that's what he's talking about. Now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why don't we just finish verse 29, finish the chapter. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You may be seated tonight. I want to talk to you about this subject, why people deny the faith. Why people deny the faith. What's, what's that all about? We're seeing more and more of that take place in our culture, in our society. I'm going to address that pretty 
bluntly tonight. And, and uh, so here's what I'm going to tell you tonight that the introduction is the longest part of the service tonight. And once we get past the introduction and I get to the main part of the message, we're pretty much done tonight. So uh, hang in there with us this evening. Um, I want to talk to you about that, why people deny the faith. I'm going to tell you without a shadow of a doubt why people deny the faith. So let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings and thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary again tonight. Lord, I'm grateful that you blessed my wife and I while we were in Mobile and gave us a wonderful, wonderful time of ministry. But I'm also grateful that while we were away, Lord, wonderful ministry took place at the Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, we're thankful for that. We really are. And uh, Lord, that's what we want to happen. And we're so glad that we heard reports of salvations and just great messages and exciting services and, and the testimonies. And Father, we just thank you so much for that. And uh, Lord, I pray now that you would uh, knit our hearts together as we learn a truth from your precious book tonight. And Lord, help us to know what we believe. And as... and, and, and uh, I, I don't know how, I, that I'll have time to allude to that tonight, but, but help us to keep in mind that, that over and over and over again, the Apostle John uses that word know, K-N-O-W. He uses it many times in this small epistle, the word know, that we can know. There are some things that we can know, and we can know what we believe is right. And we don't have to bow our heads about it or be ashamed about it. God, we can have confidence in our Christian faith and our Christian walk. And I pray that you would help us with that tonight. Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that what we say tonight would do several things. I pray, number one, it would honor Christ. That's the main thing tonight, that it would honor Christ. And then number two, Heavenly Father, I pray that it would make sense. And I pray that it would edify the saved. And, but Lord, also we pray that, Lord, that it would be interesting. I want it to be interesting. I don't want anybody to be bored tonight. And so I pray that that would be the, the furthest thing from what happens tonight. So bless our discussion, please. And I pray that you'll be pleased. Lord, we love you and praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, how many know tonight that the enemy, uh, you say, preacher, why do you say enemy? Why don't you say the devil? Let me tell you, you know what? That's, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Let me answer that tonight. Because I don't want to give him any more acclaim than I have to. And so I don't even want to mention his name. So uh, rather than, sometimes rather than say devil and rather than say Satan, uh, I like to say enemy because we don't, uh, you know, we, we don't want to give him any more acclaim than we have to. And so the enemy is definitely the author of confusion. And I'm going to be honest, church, he's doing a pretty good job in this day in which we're living to confuse many, many people, and especially young people. Now, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to throw them out and give them to you tonight. 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So if you... Uh, if, if you see a church and in that church there's nothing but chaos and confusion, I got, I got word for us tonight, that's not of the Lord. Amen. The Lord's not doing that. 
uh, because God says very plainly here tonight that he is not the author of confusion, all right? And so if you see confusion in a nation or confusion in politics, that, that's a point. That, that, that shows you God's not in that because God's never the author of confusion, in fact, the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse number 15, the wisdom, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. And verse 16 says, for where ending strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And so whenever you see confusion in the air, whether it's in a family, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a nation, if you see confusion prevalent, then that's, that's automatically a red light. And it tells you that the devil's not very far away. And so there's a lot of confusion going on in the ranks today. A lot of confusion in the church. And I'm concerned about our young people. It seems like more and more we're hearing of people, and not just people, but especially religious leaders. And some of them are, are really, really well known. I'll throw out a few names tonight, and some of these names you may not know because you're not, you don't run in those circles, but I'll be honest with you, uh, these names that I'm gonna mention tonight are very, very well known in religious circles. And these folks have come out recently, and, they, and they're very, uh, they were supposed to be leaders in the religious community, re leaders in church, and these religious leaders have recently come out and said that they're no longer Christians and that they no longer believe in God. Let me give you a few articles tonight. Hillsong Church, which as far as I know, probably proclaims to be the largest church, one of the largest churches in the world, supposedly has over 100,000 members. Hillsong worship artist Marty Sampson is clarifying recent statements he made about losing his faith, insisting he has not, quote, renounced Christianity, but he's struggling. Sampson shocked the Christian community in a recent deleted Instagram post when he announced that he is, quote, genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. However, the singer told the Christian Post Tuesday that while he has not renounced his, his faith, it is, quote, on incredibly shaky ground. Samson told the paper he is, quote, struggling with many parts of the belief system that seem so incoherent with common human morality. If most of humankind had a choice, would not he rid the world of the scourge of cancer or sickness and disease? Why doesn't God do such a thing? Of course, there's an answer to this question, but the majority of a typical Christian life is not spent considering these things, he said. Questions such as, the, such as these remain in the what he calls the too-hard basket. And I don't know who Marty Sampson is, but I know Hillsong Church. And Marty Sampson was evidently a... a a predominant figure in Hillsong Church and a, uh, a big leader in the Hillsong Church. But I want to say, and I'll say it respectfully tonight, but I want to say to Marty Sampson, Marty Sampson, your ways are not his ways. And your thoughts are not his thoughts. And I'm sure that Marty Sampson's a very educated man. He probably is. He's probably he's a preacher. I know who he is. He's probably very talented. He can probably write songs like nobody's business. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you. Marty Sampson's not God. And so just the fact that Marty Sampson can't figure out 
all of what God is doing doesn't mean there's not a God. So let's go further. This is very recent. Arthur, uh, author, former, uh, former Desiring God contributor, former philosophy professor at Moody Bible Institute, and Trinity Evangelical Divinity PhD grad, Paul Maxwell, announced on Instagram last week that he is, quote, not a Christian anymore. Almost in tears, Maxwell shared that he believes the internet has done a lot of damage regarding relationships, connections with people, and that he's ready to connect with people again. The author told his social media followers that he is ready to not be angry anymore. He said, quote, I love you guys. I don't know who he's talking to. I think I got a good idea who he's talking to. I love you guys, and I love all the support and friendship I built here. I think it's important to say that I'm just not a Christian anymore, and it feels really good. I'm really happy. I'm really happy. Dave Gass, a former pastor and who most recently led Grace Family Fellowship in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, has renounced his Christian faith as a system ripe with abuse that caused him mental and emotional breaks. A representative from his former church, however, has accused him of being an unrepentant adulterer. Gass reportedly first made his announcement in a series of now-protected tweets, but not before they were copied and shared across multiple social media platforms. Quote, after 40 years of being a devout follower, 20 of those being an evangelical pastor, I am walking away from faith. Even though this has been a massive bomb drop in my life, it has been decades in the making. He began in the thread, in, in, in other words, what I just said, he began in the thread before moving on to compare scripture to Greek mythology. With megachurch pastors dropping like flies across the globe, it should come as no surprise that another pastor and author of I Kissed Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris, has renounced his faith right after announcing his divorce. That's interesting. The former pastor of Covenant Life Church in Maryland, the founding church of Sovereign Grace Ministries, took to Instagram to make his announcement. Harris admits that he was aware that he's do, that. that uh, that he is doing what the Bible speaks of as apostasy or falling away. Yet, he acknowledges that whatever it is he has is not what the Bible calls faith. And I want to say very quickly, I totally agree with him right there. Yet it seems as though his real issue with his faith is that he's been given over to the LGBTQ mafia, as he writes. But I specifically want to add this to the list now, to the LGBTQ mafia plus community. I want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my books as a pastor regarding sexuality. I regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church and for ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. Now, we could go on and on tonight. And uh, that's really just the beginning. 
And so sadly tonight, many, it seems, are falling away from the faith. Now, I want to be very, very quick to say, Calvary, don't ever forget, Scripture told us that's what would happen. And so someone says, wow, preacher, I really can't, you know, I, I can't believe this is, you know, that so many of these religious people are, are coming out and, and renouncing their faith and saying that they're no longer Christians. Well, you know what? That shouldn't be any surprise to us because our Bible thousands of years ago told us that's exactly what's going to happen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse number three says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. That a falling away first, it's the idea of a defection from the truth. It's a falling away. It means, uh, it's the idea, again, of people renouncing their faith. And the Bible says that when the last days arrive and when the Lord is about to come, get ready because we're gonna see more and more people who claim to be Christians who are gonna start turning their back on religion and, and really, not religion, but turning their back on Jesus. And so understand that when you begin to see these things come to pass, we better lift up our eyes because our redemption draweth nigh. <laughs> And so in one way, it's sort of a negative. In another way, it's a big positive because we know that something is about to happen. Hey, young people, listen, let me, let me try to help us tonight. Anybody that comes to you and tells you that they don't believe in God, although I want you to be kind and I want you to be Christ-like, anybody that, that denies that there is a God has some major issues going on. You see... And there are so many other things, and I'll allude to those tonight, but if there was nothing else, I mean, if there was nothing else, if there wasn't a church, if there wasn't a preacher, somebody says, well, it wasn't for all these gospel, Bible-thumping preachers. Well, I got news for us that if there was no gospel, Bible-thumping preacher, there would still be plenty of evidence to prove that there's a God. In fact, our Bible tells us that creation itself, creation itself proves the existence of a holy God. Now, you can go later to Romans chapter 1. We'll go there toward the end of the message tonight. But Romans chapter, Romans chapter 1 tells us that. Uh, in fact, Psalm chapter 19, verse number 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now, you say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that there is no way that you and I can look out on what we see every single day and just believe for a half a second that it just happened to happen. Somebody says, well, preacher, there was this, you know, there was this big bang. Well, what caused the big bang? We said, preacher, didn't you study that out, you know, in, in high school? Well, I endured it. I endured it. You know, so there's cosmic dust, you know, in the, in the solar system, and this cosmic dust, you know, begins to swirl, and somehow it causes, you know, uh, gases, you know, all these uh, cosmic gases, and then uh, because of the swirling of the cosmic dust and the, and, the, and the building of the cosmic gases, there's this huge bang that takes place. I got a question. Where'd the dust come from? Well, it came from... Uh, Where'd it come from, smarty pants? Well, it's just always been. Well, I'd rather say in the beginning God than in the beginning dust. 
And so creation proves that, that, there is, that, that God exists. Now, I've given you this before, but it fits so well here. Somebody called this four false facts that make absolutely no sense. Fact number one, books write themselves without the need of an author. So it'd be like you went out to our bookstore, pulling a 400-page book off the shelf and say, man, isn't that neat? This book just appeared one day. That book didn't just appear. That book had an author that put those thoughts and those words together. Fact number two, cars build themselves without the need of a manufacturer. Fact number three, music composes itself into beautiful harmonies without the need of a composer. You say, preacher, that's absurd. You're right. However, there are countless university lecturers and professors that are paid big dollars to promote fact number four, that the whole universe came into being through a process of random chance and beneficial mutations without any need of a designer. I'm just telling you, you know why we have trees? Because God created them. You know why we have grass? Because we have a God that created it. You know why we have a moon in space tonight? Because we have an almighty God that told it to get there and to stay there all these years. And I'm just telling us that that all that we see, we know that there is a God. There is no way that all these things could have just happened to happen. And so creation proves the existence of God. But there are several other ways. And these are, uh, you've heard these before, I've given these before, but, but these are the kind of things that are good to give again. Uh, several undeniable things that help us know what we believe is true. What's really great too is all these things are found right here in 1 John. So I want you to look at them with me quickly tonight and then we'll get in the main part of the message. You say, preacher, what are some things that prove that what we believe is really true? Number one is the word of God. Now, 1 John in your Bibles, 1 John chapter number 5, and look at verse number 13. And John is talking about confidence, and he's talking about knowing. And, boy, you can know what you believe is right, and, and you can be secure in your Christian faith. And, and someone says, John, how, how? How do you know that? And John says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now here again, I'm not going to get bogged down here because this is not really the main part of the message, but I just want to say to our, our young people, you say, preacher, how can you be so sure that what we believe is right? Because we have God's word on it. We have the written, inspired, infallible words of the living God in your hand. <laughs> That's why you ought to respect this book right here. Man, I don't even want to put this book on the floor. If I put it down somewhere, I try to put something underneath it. That's why you don't want to take this book and throw it in the back portion of your car and let the sun dog ear the, the, the covers up. And Man, that's why you don't want to use it for a prop or use it for a doorstop. No, why? Because this is the precious holy word of God. And, and God tells us in his book that what we believe is right and it's true. And although many, many evil men have tried to destroy this book through the years, still there, still going on. And those wicked men, Hitler, 
Mussolini, Voltaire, so many others. Those wicked men are gone and the word of God still stands. And so somebody says, preacher, how do we know that what we believe is right? Number one, the word of God. Number two, in fact, I'm getting way ahead of myself and not even putting anything on the screen tonight. How about this? Number two is the spirit of God. Again, this is right here in 1 John. 1 John chapter five in your Bibles. Look at verse number six. 1 John 5, verse 6, the Bible says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And look, at, look what it says. And it is the what? It is the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Ghost. And it is the Spirit that beareth, beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. You don't have to turn there, Romans chapter 8, verse number 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me tell you why people come to Calvary Baptist Church. You know why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because they come to a church like this and people sing songs like you heard tonight. And there is a Holy Spirit that bears witness with their spirit. It's true. It's true. A man of God will get up here and preach the word of God and there's a spirit that's bearing witness with their spirit. It's right, it's right, it's true, it's true. That's why people come here. I'll tell you something else, that's why people don't come here. You say, preacher, why, why do some people not come back? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because why folks are in here singing these great songs, the Holy Spirit is saying, it's true. It's true. It's true. When the pastor gets up to preach, there's a Holy Spirit that's telling them, it's true. It's true. He's not telling you a lie. He's telling you the truth. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. That Bible really is the word of God. It's true. It's true. And so because the Holy Spirit is telling them that, a lot of times they don't, they don't come back. Because they've never experienced that Holy Spirit conviction, that Holy Spirit interaction. Preacher, how do we know that what we believe is right? Number one, the Word of God. Number two, the Spirit of God. How about this? I love it. Number three, the answer of God. Right here in 1 John, 1 John 5. Look at verse number 14. Oh, this is so good. 1 John 5, 14, John says, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, what does he do? He heareth us. Look at verse 15. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Somebody says, Pastor, how can you be so sure that there's a God? This is the way. Because he hears and answers my prayer. And how many prayers have we prayed at Calvary Baptist Church? And God, the God of gods, has heard our prayers and he's answered our prayers and he's given us miracle after miracle after miracle. You say, Pastor, I'd like to meet with you after the service. Can we have a debate? I'm gonna debate with you about there being a God. You need not debate with me. You might as well go down the road here and debate with a Holstein cow because I'm telling you, I know there's a God. You say, how do you know? Because he hears me when I pray and he answers my prayers. How do we know? Number one, the word of God. Number two, the spirit of God. Number three, the answer of God. Oh, yes. How about this? Number four, the conviction of God. The conviction of God. First John chapter five. Look at verse number 18. And John uses that word no again. He said in verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. 
But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Now, you say, Pastor, is that talking about somebody keeping himself saved? No, it's not what it's talking about. He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. I'll tell you what it is saying, though. The Bible says, but he that, that we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. It's, that, it's the idea of someone who continually, continually, continually sins. That if you're born again, if you're truly born again, you're not going to be continually given to sin. Can you fall? Yes. Can you stumble? Yes. And we do. Every day. But these people who come and say, you know what, I'm living a certain lifestyle and I'm saved and it doesn't bother me a bit. Let me tell you something, church. Our Bible says that anybody who says something like that is a false prophet. Listen, if you had a good daddy when you were growing up, if you had a good daddy and you did wrong, you know what happened, don't you? I had a good dad. And if we did wrong, my daddy wore us out. Dad never hated us. Dad loved us. Dad loved us. And you know what? My little mama, and they're probably watching tonight, and uh, dad says they watch the service, and mom sits on the edge of her seat. And uh, the other night, we did, birth, uh, we did anniversaries the other night, and they said they were both raising their hand. You know, I said, who's got an anniversary? Mom, dad said, we got one. And uh, my little mama, I think sometimes my little mama's worse than my daddy. And man, sometimes I'd get in trouble, and my mom would say, go to the bedroom. Oh, man, I knew what that meant. And daddy, you know, daddy was sort of structured, you know, with his discipline. Dad would, dad would make us lay down on the bed, and he would give us stripes laying on the bed. Mama didn't do that. Mama would grab one arm, and around and around we'd go, But I mean, it's just like. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying I had a mom and a dad who loved me, and when I disobeyed and when I did wrong, they disciplined me. And if you're here tonight and you're watching tonight and you're a child of God, I mean, you're one of God's children, I'm telling us that when we get out in left field and we start doing wrong, you can expect a spanking. God's going to discipline. God's going to convict. And so we know, we know that what we believe is right because of the conviction of God. So you say, preacher, if that be the case, and it is, then why are so-called Christians Denying the faith. These pastors, these authors, why are these so-called Christians denying the faith? Well, number one, because they were never in the faith. You say, preacher, that's very narrow-minded. Well, I'll tell you how narrow it is. It's that narrow. Now, they may have looked apart. They may have carried a Bible they may have put a tie on, although most of them don't. But anyway, they may have put a tie on. They may have went through the motions. But according to Scripture, they never experienced a genuine conversion. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 5 says it like this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Having a form, but denying the power thereof. And how many know tonight, Calvary, that not everything that looks like the real thing is the real thing? Miss Ann called the other day. Miss Ann, she's our treasurer here at the church, and 
she uh, contacted me. It's been some time back now. She called me. She said, Preacher, said, we got a little situation. And I said, what, what is it? She said, the bank called. And in our deposit that we made, there was a counterfeit bill. So whoever's making that stuff better stop, all right? That's all, that's all I got to say. And uh, no, you know what truth matter is? You can get one, not even know it. And, uh, and so uh, we took up the offering and somebody put, and I can't remember if it was a 20 or a 100, but somebody put a bill in the uh, offering plate. Miss Ann got it all together, took it to the bank, made the deposit, and they called us and said, whoa, something, th- this is not right. It's a fake. It's a fake. It looked like the real thing, but we couldn't deposit it because it was just paper. Now, it was a fake. Now, think with me. It was counterfeit. But I thought about this, Calvary. Just because there was a counterfeit bill, I didn't go home throwing my money away. Are you crazy? No way. Somebody says, preacher, there's some counterfeits in the church. There are. Well, I don't think I'm going back. Well, I don't think I throw all my money away just because there's a counterfeit bill here and there. And uh, amen? But somebody says, Pastor, but why? Why are these people who claim to be saved, uh, claim to be Christians, claim to be preachers, claim to be pastors, uh, evangelists, why are these people renouncing their faith? Let me show it to you. Look at 1 John chapter 2. In your Bibles, I'm looking at verse number 18. Well, what a book 1 John is. 1 John 2, verse 18, John says, little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Look at verse 19, John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us But they went, look at this, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They looked like a $100 bill, but they were a counterfeit. That's what John is saying. Somebody says, preacher, I know this preacher, or I was watching this preacher on the TV, and Man, I used to follow him, and now he's come out and said that, man, he he doesn't even believe in God anymore. Did he he lose his salvation? Are y'all ready? He didn't lose his salvation. He never had it. Well, you say, preacher, how, how do you come to that conclusion? I didn't come to that conclusion. The Holy Spirit did. That if you can come out later in life and say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Christianity, then evidently you never had what you claimed to have. You can turn there if you want. You don't have to. Just stay there in 1 John. Probably be the best thing to do. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39 says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so why is it, preacher, that some people deny the faith? Number one, because they were never in the faith. There is one other little clause that I want to give you, and we're done tonight. How about this? Number two, because they navigated into a life of sin. 
Why do people later in life deny the faith, deny God? You say, preacher, did they, did they fall from grace? If you can fall from it, you never had it. Thank God we believe and teach and preach an eternal, secure salvation here at Calvary Baptist Church. And, I, and I'm not going to get into that, although it's very tempting. We don't apologize for teaching eternal security of the believer. And I know there are some people who take great issue with us on that, and they say, uh, there ain't no way, preacher. There's no way you can always, you can, once you're saved, you're always saved. But think, think about it like this. My son, Zach, pastors a church in Los Angeles, California, God forbid, but let's say that Brother Zach does something and just does something horrific. Man, the law enforcement calls us and they tell us what, he's broken a, some kind of a law. They put him in jail. They take him before the judge. They sentence him to maybe even life in prison. I mean, it's terrible. His mom and I go to that little room there where you have to talk to him through the glass and we pick up the phone and he picks up the phone on the other side and, and I can look through that glass and I can say to Zach, Zach, you have broken our heart. You have, you have, you have messed up. You have drug our name through the mud and, and as far as we're concerned, you are no longer our son. But you know what, Calvary? I can say that till the cows come home. But nothing will ever change the fact that Zach Pope is our son. You know why? Because he was born into our family. And nothing will ever change that fact. He is my boy. Nothing will ever change that. Well, I got news for you. About 40 years ago, I went into a little backwoods country office under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and talked to my pastor, Pastor Johnson, who's in heaven, amen, and me on tonight. And Pastor Johnson took his red Schofield Bible out and led me down the Romans Road. And that night, that afternoon, I, I prayed and, and asked Christ to come into my heart and save me. And when I did that, I was birthed. Oh, yes, good neighbor. I was birthed into the family of God. And I became a son of the living God. Once a child, always a child. There's not anything that I can ever do that will make me cease to be God's child. Can I break his heart? Yes, I can. Can I disappoint him? Yes, I can. Can I disobey him? Yes, I can. Can I ever be severed from his relationship? No, I cannot. And so you say, well, pastor, then how can someone who claims to be saved, why do they deny the faith? Number two, because they navigated into a life of sin. Whatever it may have been. And because they navigated away from the Lord, they fell hard into sin. Now, now they have two decisions to make. Number one, they know they're going to have to repent and get right with God. Or number two, they'll continue right on with their backslidden lifestyle. They have the choice, two choices. They can repent, acknowledge what they've done, get it right with God, or they can get a hard heart and determine to go on in that backslidden lifestyle. And if they do, let me tell you what happens. Usually what happens is those people know that eventually they're going to have to answer to an almighty God. Yes, sir. 
And so the way they deal with that is by doing this. There is no God. I used to believe there was a God, but I don't believe there's a God now. And the reason they're doing that is because they know in their heart of hearts there's coming a day when they'll have to bow before him and they'll have to acknowledge what they've done. And so to get away from that, they just say, you know what, there is no God. Now let me show it to you. I don't want to take it from me. I want you to, I want you to see it. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse number 22. Romans chapter 1, verse number 22. These are people that, have, that are under conviction and not willing to not willing to get right, not willing to come clean. Verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, to birds, to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. Turn over real quickly and we're done. Psalm chapter 14. Psalm chapter number 14. And look at verse number one. Psalm 14 and verse number one. Most of you, many of you know this verse. Some of you have it memorized. Psalm 14, verse one. The Bible says the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. But did y'all notice that verse doesn't end there? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Look what the rest of it says. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Now church, we're done tonight, but I want to tell you this, regardless of where we're, of what our attitude is. Did you know that we're all going to stand before God? Yes, Romans chapter 14, verse 11 says, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And so we're going to bow before God, regardless of what we believe or where we stand, we're gonna stand before the Lord. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was, and this is what I was thinking about today. Why would somebody not wanna be a Christian? And I don't have the voice to do it, but I wish I did. If I had the voice to sing it tonight, I'd just haul off and start singing, oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. Amen. God helped me with it, didn't he? It's wonderful to be a Christian tonight. Boy, thank God I'm saved. I wouldn't want to be lost for nothing in the world. Someone says, preacher, would you trade your salvation for 60 seconds for a million dollars? Are you kidding me? No way. Not even a thought. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad you're saved tonight. And if you're not saved, tonight would be a great night to get that way. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. I pray it's, it's made a difference. Father, I'm afraid that the enemy is trying to confuse. And Lord, so many of our youthful generation 
Lord, we're seeing a falling away right before us. And kids who have been brought up in church all their life are wondering about people that have supposedly been in the church for 15, 20, 25 years and now all of a sudden they're turning away from that faith. And Father, help us not to be swayed. Help us to keep heading in the right direction. Help us to understand that what we believe is right. It's true. And it's good. I'm so glad I'm a Christian tonight. (laughs) I'm so glad I'm saved. Lord, I don't know why you'd reach down and save me like you did. Deserving? No. No. Undeserving of your grace. Undeserving of your mercy. But I sure thank you for saving me. Father, I pray tonight that as we walk out of this place, I pray that we'll walk out saying, Lord, thank you for a so great salvation. And help us, Lord, to walk out knowing what we believe is true. It's right. It's right. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And just real quickly tonight before we go, I wonder if there may be one here tonight anywhere around the house and you'd say, preacher, If I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you remember me in prayer? Well, I'd love to pray for you tonight. If you're watching my way of the live stream, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand too. Pastor, Brother Pope, if I died tonight, I'm 100% sure that I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure that I would go. I want you to pray for me. If that's you right now, you'd slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? Anywhere. If you're watching by way of the live stream, I want you to raise your hand. Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. There's a number in the bottom of your screen. It's our prayer helpline number. And we have somebody that's waiting by the phone right now. They're waiting for your ring. And we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can know Christ as personal Savior. I hope you'll call. Let's stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And Some are using the altar tonight. If you need to use the altar, the altar's open this evening. We're going to pause just for a moment before we go. And if we can help you, we'll be here. If we can pray with you, we'll be here. I'm going to make my way to the main floor tonight. And If we can pray with you about a burden or something going on in your life, we'd love to, we'd love to believe God with you tonight, okay? So let's pause just for a moment with the heads bowed and eyes closed and you come while we wait.